and welcome back to Tay Radio Marin. I am your host, Javier Vicuna, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Kimberly Escobar. And on today's show, we are very excited to have Mateo Diaz, who is here today to share his trans story um, and his viewpoints on trans rights. Um, thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Mateo. Um, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, hello, my name is Mateo Diaz. I am a rising senior at San Rafael High School, uh, 17 years old, and I am a trans man. Well, thank you for introducing yourself. Uh, I was a former SR Bulldog as well. I graduated in 2017, so a couple of years back now. That was like four or five years ago. Um, but awesome to hear that you're also an SR student. Um, and we actually, so Kimberly and I, uh, the, the way that we actually got to connect with Mateo for this show is uh, we were at the, um, what was the, what was the name of the official event? It, it was an event at SR where, where they had like a bunch of uh, LGBTQ plus youth speak. Yes, it was the trans and non-binary stories event that uh, the Link crew at SR put on and they asked me to speak at that event. Yeah, so that event, we Kimberly and I went and Mateo gave an incredible speech like, you did such an awesome job, um, and uh, you know we, we like Mateo so much that we wanted him on the show today with us, and we're so happy to have you. Um, so before we move on uh, to hear more about your story and your background, um, how are you doing today, Mateo? I'm doing well. Yeah, uh, excited to be here. Thank you. And and have you? Um, ha do you have any like? You, you said you just got back from a vacation, right? Or or from going somewhere? Where'd you go? Yes, I was in Lake Tahoe for 4th of July with my family. Ooh, fun. Have you been to Lake Tahoe, Kim? Yeah, I have, but not for the 4th. I probably should one day. Was it snowy over there? No, um, no, it was uh, summer weather. Although it was colder than I was expecting. We had been planning to go to the beach, and then it was 65 degrees, and it wasn't quite swimming weather, so we went on a hike instead. Oh. Yeah, I've gone to Tahoe during the summer, and it's usually, like, warm, but in some areas it is, like, very, very cold, so I get where you're coming from yeah yeah you guys launched fireworks no there was supposed to be fireworks but i think it got canceled because of the wind um, Ooh. you know they have to be careful but yeah, yeah that's true i saw a lot of videos where people were doing fireworks and a lot of places got lit up oh wow so okay. yeah that well no scary. people go f really crazy with fireworks here in marin that's why the uh fire department's always like don't light fireworks here mm -hmm. but still people don't listen to that so um but all right well thank you for sharing that mateo um i haven't been to lake tahoe no no I, I was at lake tahoe last year what am i talking about <laughs> um i i did i i went more in the in the winter time though um because to be honest i'm not really that familiar with the snow um like I, I don't really go out to like i've never been in new york where when it snows or anything like that right have you been to new york when it snows not when it snows um but i've been to tahoe is basically when i see snow no, too yeah because we don't get here. any snow here yeah. in marin at all um but all right mateo so yeah so so just just talk to us more about how how you got to where you are now your story where where it all started um and go ahead yeah um so i came out as trans at the beginning of the last school year so it was it's going to be almost a year now um end of july and it was a, but it was a, it was a complicated process. It wasn't, you know, I woke up one day, um, and, oh, I'm trans now. <laughs> um, the way that I like to tell it is when I was three years old, I told my parents that I was a boy. Um, and I didn't, I think it wasn't like, oh, this is some big revelation necessarily at the moment. It was like, oh, you know, just a tomboy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I knew from a very early age as a child that, you know, society told me I was a girl and girls liked certain things and girls were supposed to do certain things. And I knew that I didn't quite fit into those boxes. Um, I liked Spider-Man and I wanted to wear boy clothes, you know, and at the time that just meant like pants and T-shirts, mm -hmm. which, you know, those aren't necessarily masculine clothing, but I didn't want to wear dresses. Um, and I knew that I liked things that were supposed to be t stereotypically masculine. And I could just tell that, you know, society had clear boxes uh, in regards to gender and I didn't fit into them. Um, and I think that that can be an experience that a lot of us have, you know, trans or not, because mm -hmm. I think we have such strong gender roles in society that most people don't fit perfectly either way. Um, but, you know, a lot of people will kind of say, oh, 
being trans is like a big phase these days. So many kids are just pretending or they want attention. And, you know, it's really like all of us have a very strong perception of our gender from an early age. Um, and we know because society makes it clear. Pink is for girls. Blue is for boys. You ask a kid and they'll tell you that. You know, mm -hmm. So they're aware of it. Um, and that means that when we don't fit those boxes, it's also very easy to be aware of that. So, you know, I think there can be an idea that like, you know, kids are too young to know. And it's like, we're really not because there are so many cis kids who know, like, I am a girl and I like to wear dresses or I am a boy. And I like to, you know, do these things that are considered stereotypically masculine. And no one, you know, second guesses that or says, oh, you can't know mm -hmm. that yet. Um, but yeah, you know, I grew up a pretty masculine child. Um, yeah, I liked I liked Spider-Man. I dressed up as Mr. Incredible one year for Halloween. <laughs> I like to wear pants and shirts. Um, you know, I cut my hair short in fourth grade, like just to the shoulder. And I was so excited. And I remember being like, I want to go shorter, shorter. Like I want short hair. And my mom was like, you know, let's go slow. Like you don't want to get too short hair. You'll look like a boy and you'll mm -hmm. get upset. And I was like, I can't see why that would be a problem. Right. You know, and you'd like make avatars for video games. And mine were always very masculine. masculine and, like, yeah. um, I had a lot of guy friends. My best friend in fifth grade was a guy. And like he wore polo shirts. And I was like, oh, my God. This is the greatest. <laughs> I need to wear polo seen. shirts polo too. Shirt. Yeah, I loved it, and I was like, I went out and bought polo shirts. I wore one every day of the week, um, and I was lucky to have a family that was very uh, um, accepting of just letting me explore my gender and letting me do what I want. And mm -hmm. you know, we didn't know. I didn't know that it meant anything other than just I like masculine things. But my family was like, "That's great. You can be whoever you want. You can explore whatever you want." And I think, even if I hadn't been trans, like having that environment is really great and having an environment where you're allowed to do what you want regardless and where stereotypes aren't enforced so strictly was really nice. And I think having that was a key part in just growing up healthy and growing up happy. Um, so I'm grateful for parents who were cool with me exploring my gender. And when I said I'm a boy at age three, they didn't freak out, mm -hmm. you know, and they were just like, cool, wear what you want. My mom went and bought me a, a, like a little vest and that's what I wore to Easter that year and, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, so they, they supported you at a very young age, um, from what it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that, that's great. I, I wanted to go a little back to something that you mentioned that there's a, you get people telling you that it's like a fad to be trans or, or where are you hearing this where, where people are saying like, oh, it's, it's just trendy to be gay or, or, or something like that. I think it's a common kind of message that just like the media in general and, you know, when people are, um, you know, even there's a lot of legislation that's coming out that is making it challenging for young kids to transition. Um, and there's kind of this message of fear and, you know, your kids don't know well enough or they're going to do something irreversible to their body or, you know, like kids don't know who they are and it's just a trend. And I think with social media, it's easy for people to point like, oh, look, they're getting it from the Internet. They're being indoctrinated like um, to kind of invalidate trans people and their experiences and their stories and mm -hmm. try and. Um, you know, fight trans identity and take away trans rights. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also because now in, in today's like, you know, with social media being so big now among especially younger people, um, it's so easy to spread out more information um, for youth who, who are scared of coming out. Um, and I, I think that creates this like dynamic between like, oh, people that are anti-gay can now use social media to say all these terrible things. Um, but it's also a platform for also people who are trying to come out because um, we see it all the time. I mean, we use social media all the time and and I see on there all the time about like hate crimes against the gay community, but also uh, some some pieces about like, oh, my coming out story. And then like, that's really cool. So it's just social media is toxic in general. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just the, the fact that social media makes it so easy um, to just get this information out there. Um, and it makes a lot more youth come out because being gay isn't like like a like a choice, like a trendy choice or something like if someone genuinely if that's what they identify as, if that's who they are, then that's who they are. You know, we, we, we're not going to argue that in any way. It's it's part of their own humanity. Like it's they're born that way. Um and yeah, I, I just wanted to track back to that because I, I think that's very interesting. Um, Kim, did you have anything you wanted to say? Yeah, I wanted add? to go back to when you said you came out about a year ago. And I wanted to know what was the experience like? Like, did you just choose to or did like your family like talk to you about it? Like, I just want to know what was the process. 
Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I mentioned I knew that I was a masculine child growing up, but, um, you know, I just thought that, you know, I was, you know, a tomboy or later I was like a big feminist and I still am a big feminist. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to shave my leg because legs because women's rights and not mm -hmm. because I was having issues with my own femininity. Right. But um, and I came out as gay first in middle school and I was out as gay for like two years and I had a girlfriend for a while and all of that. And so that was. I think a big stepping stone in the sense that I was like, oh, I'm really masculine, but like there's lots of queer masculine women out there. Mm -hmm. Like this is a place where I can fit. Um, and it was like, that was really important for me and very affirming for me. But then I also eventually would realize that like, oh, this isn't quite right. Like I'm not just a masculine woman. I'm a man. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the really big turning point for me was COVID. Um, mm. And because, you know, before then and in middle school, you know, I had a twin sister growing up and so a lot of what I did socially I would kind of follow in her footsteps and then you get to middle school and all of a sudden all your friends are wearing leggings and all your friends are you know shaving and shaving their legs or doing whatever um and wearing crop tops and like this is what's mm -hmm. happening and middle school you know you're already so nervous and you're like I just want to fit in with everyone yeah. else so you just kind of go along with what everyone's doing um and so I think I did a lot Socially, I would kind of just follow in the footsteps of, like, my female peers and my sister and what everyone else around me was doing, um, you know, and I just kind of did it because that's what I was expected to do and because I didn't want to stick out too much or feel weird or feel unaccepted. But then you get to COVID um, and all of a sudden pandemic hits and we're locked at home. Right. And, like, now when I get up in the morning, I don't have to think, oh, I need to put something on that looks cool at school. <laughs> People are going to see what I wear. It's just like I'm hanging out. I'm sitting in my pajamas. If I do get dressed, it's literally only because I want to and I feel like it yeah. and not because anyone expects anything of me. And I think being away suddenly from all the like pressures and expectations of society gave me a chance to think about what I really want. Mm -hmm. It's like no longer was I getting up in the morning and, you know, having to go out every day and perform my gender for other people, I was just doing what made me happy. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, what does make me happy? And that's when I got to kind of play with my expression and realize, oh, I really do like to dress more masculinely and do things more masculinely. Um, and you mentioned social media, and I think that was another huge part, um, is getting online and just getting to read about the experiences of other trans people. Mm -hmm. Because I definitely had a very, like, I knew what a trans person was, but the idea that I had kind of been given and that I knew about was... Oh, like, you know, right away from a very early age and you're just like, I hate my body. And I, it's very clear that I want to be the other gender. And you have to, like, not only be the other gender, but be, like, very fit into a stereotype. Like, I thought to be a trans man, you would have to be very stereotypically masculine. Mm -hmm. um, and so for a while, I don't think it, I've, I ever assumed that I would be trans because I was like, well, I don't totally hate my body. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to be like a stereotypical man. I don't want to be toxically masculine. Mm -hmm. You know, all of these things. But getting to go online and, like, read about just other trans people's experiences, learn that, like, oh, transness is a lot more complicated. It's a lot more of a spectrum. It's not just, like, this very narrow definition. And, like, that's that experience is true for some people, but it's not true for lots of other trans people. And, like, mm -hmm. it's not true for me. Um, you know, and I realized that, like, I didn't have to define my transness, but what I didn't like about being perceived as a woman, but what I did like about being perceived as a man. So a lot of it, I think, was realizing that, like, at first, I was like, oh, I feel indifferent to pronouns, to being called she, her. Like, it doesn't make me feel bad, necessarily. But I realized that, like, I want to be called he, him much more. And being mm -hmm. called that made me feel much better. Yeah. So it was, like, it was a lot about looking about, like, what made me feel affirmed. And I realized, like, being a guy and being perceived as a guy and treated as a guy, that's what made me feel, like, most affirmed and most like myself. Um, so, yeah, like, social media can be huge, I think, because... Lots of, and I'm lucky to live in a more liberal area and live in a family yeah. and know, like, I knew gay people growing up. But, um, so to be exposed to those issues, but like, there are lots of kids who don't get that anywhere. It's not taught in school. Their families don't talk about it. And mm -hmm. so, like, because of the internet, there are so many more queer and trans kids, like, especially in conservative areas, who have the opportunity to learn about themselves and understand themselves that they may not have had before. And, like, if you're trans or you're gay, you're always going to be trans or gay. But, being able to discover it and figure it out earlier on can save a lot of years of hardship and feel like, oh my God, something's wrong and I don't know why and I don't mm. know what it is. But um, yeah, I actually wanted to share. Um, so when I was growing up, um, my my parents uh, are very Catholic, very Catholic family, um, and with that comes some really not so great views on on the gay community, um, and. I was, when I was growing up, I had a, 
I had this um, this family friend who would take care of me, um, and she was basically like my grandma in, in a sense. She she was just she would just take care of her. I'd call her grandma, um, but she had a son um, who is now transitioning into a female who now identifies as a female. Uh, but she did. She, um, her her name is now. Um, Oh, wow. Never mind. Uh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but it was a really long time ago when I was growing up. It was probably like mid 2000s. Um, and that like when my parents found out that my this lady's son that was, you know, taking care of me had transitioned into a girl and was now identifying as a female and looked female. Um, it like it became like a huge gossip thing in in, in our um, so I'm Latino um, and gossip is like all over the place in, in Latino uh, uh, culture. So when when that news spread out, it was like it was like wildfire. Like everyone was like, "Wow! Like wow, how could you do that? How could you how could you let him transition into a female? Like that's just so against like everything. Like you should be ashamed of yourself." And growing up. Um, I knew her right when before she was a um, when she was when she was a male or when she you know um, and I loved her. She was so fun to be around. She was amazing. We played video games together all the time. We she taught me so much. And then when she transitioned into a female, I didn't see her any different when I was younger. Like um, like looking back to me, that's like amazing to me because growing up in such a like conservative family. And just kind of my, myself, just seeing how she was always presenting herself, like, very confidently as a female, um, was like, wow. Like, I was just like, okay, cool. She's female. All right. All right. Like, I didn't think it was a bad, like, I never thought of it as a bad thing. Yeah. And I think that's what has influenced me so much um, growing up. Like, when I hear, like, my other friends coming out throughout the years, I'm like, wow, like, that's amazing. Like it's never ever been an issue for me. So I just think that like as as kids cuz kids are smart. Like kids are really really smart. Um and it's just like when parents force certain ideals and views onto that child, they grow up and and they turn in like like it's harder for them to kind of get out of that mindset if that makes sense, right? Like that, you know, that we shouldn't be supporting gay people, but I don't know. For me, that that experience of just seeing um, my not grandma, grandma's son transition, and just seeing them like like you know become do all the surgeries to themselves and all that, like I I I was just like, wow, that's that's incredible, you know. Like I, I was really eye opening to me. So um, sorry, I just wanted to share that just because it just came up to me. I, I haven't talked to them in so long, um, but that really resonated with with me, and and I think like a lot of tra- like. I don't know. I just respect the, her so much because she came out during a time when I feel like there was no talk about gay rights at all. Like it wasn't like as like easily <laughs> talked yeah. about now, you know. Um, I have a similar experience with my family. I'm not sure if he's um, like my cousin, but I call him See, my that's, cousin. That's the thing about Latino yeah. families is that we always have like we always have like these really close family yeah, friends like and they're like our cousins <laughs> or their uncles like we never know but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not 100% <laughs> sure but um like he was he's always been gay he's not trans but he's always been gay and um I remember when I was younger he came out as gay and then he was the talk around like our entire family mm-hmm. and we would always go over to his house but for like my mom she doesn't look at it any different and she so sees him as like him and supports him and like she always like hypes him up on facebook <laughs> and stuff but seeing him he has like a very feminine side and he like puts on makeup and all that mm-hmm. stuff and seeing that i'm like he's so beautiful like if you see him, he looks like a girl, but he doesn't identify as a woman, which is... He just, um, he's just very feminine. Yeah, he's, he's very feminine. in touch with his feminine side. Yeah, and I honestly love seeing that. My mom always, like, shows me his Facebook, because I don't have Facebook, but mm-hmm. she always, like, shows me his profile. And I just wanted to say it was, like, similar, because, like, although my mom was, like, accepting of him, a lot of, like, my mom's, like, 
sisters weren't like they're all like that's kind of like a lot of them are more christian side and they're mm -hmm. a little more stricter yeah and they were like more like that's like weird and like that's not normal and like saying all this bad stuff about him and a lot of them i think at one point like would never go over to his house or would wouldn't speak to him at all and like would say like oh he's a disgrace to their family and growing up i didn't really think much of it because i wasn't really like a hundred percent like sure what was going on because mm -hmm. when i was younger i also just didn't know about like what gay is and all that stuff right that me, me neither like yeah. when i was growing up i just i was just taught that oh if you like if you're a guy and you like another guy that's wrong yeah I'm just yeah like, same like what how like i, I that, that never really resonated with me mm -hmm. um and i and i agree like i didn't know what gay was at a young age did did you understand like like looking back did, did you understand because i know that you know you had these thoughts at a really young age like you already knew you were a male when you were what three years old correct if i remember correctly yeah it's i mean i had told my family oh i'm a boy and then i had like a six-month phase where i was like oh i'm a boy um, <laughs> and i don't think i really understood the complexity of what that meant like I, yeah. I didn't know that i was trans yet but like i knew that you know, I I didn't fit into totally the box of being a girl, and I didn't really have like the the the, the words or the way to explain myself and that experience. Um, but you know, I I knew it like inside, and even if I didn't have a way to like tell that to other people, I definitely was aware of it. Um, but I know it. You know, I kind of not a similar experience, but kind of a similar experience to what you all are describing. I think like when you grow up in a culture that doesn't really, or when you grow up around, you know oh, like, messages that, oh, being gay is bad or trans is bad or whatnot. Like, my dad, he's from Venezuela, and so he grew up in, a, like, a culture that was a little bit homophobic and, like, that wasn't really talked about or accepted. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm lucky that, like, later in his life, as he moved out of the country and, like, had more experiences and just learned more, he had the opportunity to learn more about, like, the queer community and learn, like, oh, it's not a bad thing to be gay. Mm -hmm. So that by the time that I was born, like, I had parents who were very accepting. Um, that's awesome. That's That's so cool. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I we have a few I have a few um uh you know uh, again not relatives but like close family friends, you know, TS, TOs, um who are queer and like I grew up around. So I I I mean I knew that I knew gay people because I grew up around gay people. Um but even then like I still didn't totally understand that like being gay or being trans or any of that was a thing that could apply to mm -hmm. me until like 5th, 6th grade. Like so I think it's challenging because even even when we talk about it like because it's generally as a society and it's more nowadays i think than it used to be but yeah. like even in school we don't really have any education around it for young kids and so it takes a while i think for people to understand like oh this isn't just a thing that exists but like a thing that could even apply to me or like something that's okay um and like i was saying earlier like trans people gay people have always existed but mm -hmm. you don't have the words to describe yourself or you don't know like if you've never met another trans person or heard about it it's hard to know that that's who exactly. you are but then once you like are exposed to it, whether that's online or you meet someone trans or whatnot, then yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, like I really relate to this experience and all of that. Yeah, that's that's why I think it's so important um, to, to teach these things at a young age, because there are, are probably a lot of other young children out there who, who are feeling like having identity issues or, or having an issue with with knowing who they are. Like they might already think they're male or understand or like they know they're male like they already know that they are male but they just like you said they don't have the education they don't have the the resources for them at such a young age to like help them guide themselves through that so they have to kind of grow up and like just kind of through social media or through other outlets right um so that's why i personally think it's very important to at least talk about gender and, and talk about um you know the different sexual sexualities that that are out there um because i for me like, like I've, I've always heard the argument that like oh well we shouldn't be teaching children like about sex at such a young age but it's not it's not sex it's, it's, it's sexuality as in like 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 you like knowing who you are right and and if you teach them at a young age then they're gonna have a much smoother transition as they grow up instead of having the go through some pretty traumatizing stuff because um, I, I know um, some of my friends who also are trans ha have come out and told me so many things that they wish they knew when they were younger that they th that if they had been taught that they probably wouldn't have gone through some traumatizing events in their life um, you know otherwise so 
yeah, I think it's very important um, to teach children at least what at least gender uh, terms and, and, and pronouns and, and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. And the thing is, like, also, there's this idea, oh, it's too mature. You're teaching kids all oh, these like mm-hmm. adult ideas. And the yeah. reality is that like gender and sexuality education for little kids looks like you can wear whatever you want, you know, like clothes don't have a gender. You can wear a dress or a skirt or pants or whatever makes you happy. Like Mm -hmm. you can love whoever you want. Love comes in different ways. Like, you know, like that's what the education looks like. Like very baseline, just messages of like acceptance and love. And the reality too is like, that's not even beneficial just to queer or trans kids. Like it's just good as a kid to hear the message that like, it's okay. You can be who you are. You can do what makes you happy and present yourself in a way that makes you happy and express yourself freely and like that's okay like that's just a generally good message i think for people to have um and i think you know the more that we talk about gender and like gender expression in a way that's like it is okay to be who you are and you don't have to fit a certain mold or a certain image that's a good message for everyone because there are even cis people who like aren't necessarily stereotypically masculine or stereotypically feminine Mm -hmm. um you know but they're still a man or a woman but like people express themselves in lots of different ways and there isn't one right way to be, you know, your gender. And like yeah. that message and that lesson, I think is just important for a lot of people. Yeah. And I want to add like uh, what you just said, like people who like are cis males or cis females who connect more, like I know plenty of cis males who connect more with their feminine side. <laughs> right. Um, or just, just like putting on girls clothes every now and then. Like, um, so I'm a, I'm like a big anime viewer. So I watch a lot of anime. Um, and last this last weekend, I went to Anime Expo in LA, um, and over there, there was a lot of guys, um, a lot of my friends who who like just cosplaying as maids for a day or something like that. They put on a maid yeah. outfit with the little cat ears and everything, and they're not they're not gay. They don't identify as being gay or 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 part of the LGBTQ plus community. They just like doing it because it's just they like it, you know. Like and and I think that's also people should understand that's also like fine you know that i know like plenty of people who are like that um so yeah no thank you for mentioning that because uh, I, I think like connecting with your feminine side as a male is also very important like you need to acknowledge it because if there's a lot of males who just act really hard all the time but you damn well a lot of them have the feminine side like we all have a feminine side we all have a masculine side to us um but yeah that, that, that's a great great point that you bring up there kim did you want to add anything no, I don't have any questions in mind at the moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> totally, though, because I feel like even when I was coming out, I was like, oh, but, like, sometimes I still like to paint my nails. Like, I don't hate that. I mean, I don't wear nail polish all the time, but, like, there's still feminine things that I like, you know, mm-hmm. and I knew that I was never going to be the, like, alpha male, like, you know, very masculine or, like, into things that are stereotypically masculine. Not that being into those things are bad, but, like, I knew that, like, I still liked some feminine things. So I was, like, for a while, I think it was just, like, oh, like, I couldn't be trans because I don't you know, hate all of these things. And it's like, I can be a guy and still be feminine. Sometimes I can paint my nails, you know, every once in a while or, you know, wear a bracelet. Like that's, you know, that doesn't have to be an inherently feminine thing. And, you know, cause cis guys can do that too. And if a cis guy paints his nails or has an earring, like people usually don't say, oh, you're not a man anymore. Right. I mean, people are like, oh yeah, you're a dude, but you're just expressing yourself more femininely. Mm. So I think it can be hard sometimes as a trans person, especially someone who doesn't, you know, totally fit and like, super masculine or super feminine um like when you want to express um like as a trans man wanting to express some femininity sometimes but then people go like oh like but aren't you supposed to be a dude like yeah you know and then people doubt the validity of your identity and it's like just because i'm also feminine doesn't make me any less of a man because that's how most people are most people are not entirely one or entirely the other like yeah 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 it's so interesting to me how like clothing plays such a big part and like just just people's like uh, perception of, of gender, right? Because like oh, uh, so I go to a lot of like hardcore shows, so like punk shows and, and like shows with like heavy rock music, and and in the punk scene, um, and the hardcore scene, I put them around the same because they're basically the same scene. Yeah. But um, the I see guys all the time wearing skirts or having painted nails or wearing like leather skirts or something, and they're like it's just so normal in that environment because they're just so comfortable with their their feminine side or there's just a lot of guys out there who are still kind of exploring themselves and and that's fine too it's so cool because I'm, I'm always at those scenes and like you know you always hear that kind of music and you're like oh probably the people who listen to that music are like super terrible people but no it's like the most <laughs> chill community ever um and they're so progressive and that's what i love about that community um and going to these shows i'm always just like dang like i i like 
Like, I've been always wanting the urge to paint my nails. Like, I'm going to be honest. I've always wanted to paint my nails at some point. But I'm always kind of just like, like, again, like, just personally for me, like, I've j- I'm just been like, like, I don't want, I don't want anyone to, like, say anything about me. But again, it's just like, I, it's just being comfortable with yourself. Like, really, really being comfortable with yourself and just not caring what other people have to say about what you're doing. Because you're, you're doing what makes you happy, right? And And you're identifying with yourself and you're just you know, being comfortable with your own identity. So, yeah. Yeah, but, totally. Uh, but, all right. So we are actually going to transition into the second half of the show. But right before that, we are going to play uh, a song by Ismael Lara. Uh, we hope to have Ismael Lara on in person soon. Um, and this is his song, Walking Stars. And we'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. In the whip, thinking of your smile, and your perfect laugh, I know you're still alive. Cause I feel presence, next to me with you by my side. I'm indestructible, more powerful, I'm gonna make you proud. Saying I don't wanna one south. Fast tracking through the gold, the gate, trying to get home or buy. I know everything's gonna be alright. Cause last week I seen you in my dreams, and you said it's ain't bye. You said don't shed no more tears, I just want you to know. These sparkling tears contain cold memories and spark the projection from the fondest memories of my life. Each tear's a flashback, each tear runs down my face like a half-bag. I celebrate them, this path I was meant for. Pain and lessons, gifts from the heavens, I don't longer question. They strain my bond, my sons, so we don't commit the same mistakes in the streets cold game. To transform darks to light, we meant for. To help the spark they shine, I was made for. I am king, gradual, unconditional love is what evolved my wings. This is how I flew out of eternal purgatory. Changing my past to aviate your fly patterns. Moving through the cosmos like the Green Lantern. With you by my side, I'm afraid to fly. With you by my side, I feel the urgency to truly live life. With you by my side, I understand we don't ever really die. We walk in stars, destined to rise. We rise. Hello, guys. Um, now we're going to be transitioning into the second part of the show. We're going to be talking about the Mateo's views on trans rights. My first question for you is, what do you have to say about the anti-trans legislation that has been sweeping the nation? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, there have been record amounts in the past few years of laws being passed, uh, you know, against trans people and queer people. Um, but, you know, from don't say gay laws that are regulating what can be taught in the classrooms and kind of prohibit- prohibiting LGBTQ plus issues from being included in curriculum to laws that are criminalizing gender affirming health care um, for trans people, uh, criminalizing trans youth, preventing trans youth from playing sports, a lot of different areas. Um, and I think it's especially prevalent with, you know, Roe v. Wade was just overturned in the mm-hmm. court. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's obviously a huge issue. And it comes kind of on the tail of a lot of this, um, you know, anti-trans legislation and also more anti-trans legislation following that. And it's connected in a lot of ways because, you know, it becomes an issue of bodily autonomy and laws Mm -hmm. that are trying to prevent people from, you know, making choices about their own bodies, their own, you know, health and all of those things um, that they want to make and preventing that, whether that be abortion or, you know, people wanting to get gender affirming surgery hormones, et cetera. Um, so, you know, a lot of these like current issues are really connected. Um, and it's important, I think, to understand the way that things intersect and like to, you know, bodily autonomy is important for everyone and everyone should be able to make their own own decisions about their own body that they want to make. Um, and when that's being, you know, regulated and prevented, it becomes a real issue. Yeah, Yeah, I definitely agree on that. Did you, were you going to say something? Well, I, I personally like, um, yeah, like, like you said, the, the whole Roe versus Wade, um, decision that's been done. It's been a lot, but I just saw that actually that, that Biden just, just wrote an executive order to give everyone like basically the right to have an abortion. So I don't know if if you guys saw that. I think it was today or yesterday. Did you see that? I I I have not seen that. Yeah, no, the, he, he literally just, just wrote it and I was like, all right. Um, For like the whole, like every state? I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's an executive order, so it's like it goes into effect like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, oh, I guess I... it's just a response to the whole yeah. court decision, which was complete BS. Like it makes me so angry to read about that. Yeah. <laughs> like the more I'm reading about it, I'm like, oh, that makes me so angry. But like, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, I think it's just so interesting Um just the, the different ways that people have been like 
arguing against abortion and for abortion. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I speak for everyone here that we're all for abortion. Um, and yeah, I, I just wanted to like, did you want to add anything about that? Cause I know you've been, you've been talking a lot about that on your social medias. About abortion? No, yeah, well, yes, abortion. I guess it could be abortion in general, but also the whole Roe versus Wade. Thing. I think it was very not smart of the Supreme Court to do that. I also have been reading a lot of cases talking about there's, like, kids who have been raped and stuff like this, and they can't have an abortion due to the state they live in. Mm-hmm. But since you just said that Biden overturned this executive order, I'm pretty sure it's going to be changing now, and they would be able to get it, because a lot of these cases were really new mm-hmm. and just brought up, and one of them, like, made me really, really sad, because it was, like, a 10-year-old girl who Yeah, got I raped, heard about that one. And she could not, like, get an abortion or anything, and they're telling her she has to follow through with the with the pregnancy which is like which is very scary like if i were in her position i would be terrified and then there's also the risk with her even losing her life due to having to push out a baby because like even for an an adult it hurts them a lot so then i can't imagine that for a 10 year old i cannot imagine that i've heard that the youngest uh person to have a pregnancy was a five-year-old girl how though see that's the thing it was like in another country how how does it get to that point like who allows like it's man ah it makes me angry but yeah yeah um (sighs) okay but uh, going back to what we're talking about with healthcare, as you mentioned um where can people get access to gender-affirming health care if you know of. Yeah, so it really depends on, you know, the area that you're in. And there are places where it's a lot harder. Um, and it depends, you know, on your insurance. And, like, lots of assur- ins- some insurances do cover it, which is really great. And, like, some don't. Um, but it's even, like, hormones and surgery. Like, there are some places where you have to get a letter that basically says, like, oh, this person needs, um, you know, gender-affirming health care. Like, this person really is trans, basically. So you have to go through another you know, professional and get someone to basically approve you and say, yeah, you're trans enough to go get yeah. this healthcare. Interesting. What? That, that's kind of... It becomes a problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, you have to... Go through a test? Yeah. Like what? Or like a like a checkup, basically? Like what, what do they check exactly? Do you know? Well, it's mostly talking to like a... Usually like a, um, a therapist or a mm-hmm. like a psychologist or some sort of uh, mental health professional. But... Um, and it depends on the place. Like I know I went to the SPAR Center... Um, and they have free therapy there for all LGBTQ plus youth in Marin, mm-hmm. but also like, so I went there and like, I got one of their therapists to give me a lender that says basically like, yes, this is a, you know, trans person who's ready for gender affirming healthcare. It's going to be good for them. But like at, at SPAR, they're not exactly like gatekeeping. They're mostly just like, you're trans. Exactly. Cool. That, that's what it is. That's what it sounds like to me is gatekeeping this healthcare. Yeah. There are services that do like provide it like that, which makes it easier, but there are places where it becomes a lot more challenging. Hmm. Um, and it's interesting too, because we like to think of gender-affirming health care or, you know, surgery or hormones as something that just happens to trans people, but it's not. Like, if you think about people get plastic surgery all the time, cis people get nose jobs or a breast reduction or a lot of different plastic surgeries, and, like, those kinds of things people do because it's making them feel better about their bodies or from their gender or whatnot. And, like, society sees that as something that's okay and cool. Like, of course someone could make a decision about if they want to get a surgery like that Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden if it's that but to affirm your gender as a trans person then it's bad and we have to regulate it um and so i think like there is a model called informed consent and some clinics do this like i think planned parenthood you can go and just if you're over 18 years of age you can say hey i want hormones um and just like this is a decision and you like sign a paper that says like i agree to any risks there might be or whatever and just like i'm gonna get it and you get hormones through that um so, like, that's the informed consent model where you basically say, yes, this is a thing that I want and I'm aware of everything surrounding it. I'm mm-hmm. going to get it. And then you are able to get it without having to go through some process where someone else approves you or anything like that. And so, like, that's a really great model because it's like, yeah, a lot of these things you should be able to just have access to. Because when you have processes where you have to go get something by a therapist saying that you are actually trans or something, like you leave opportunities for there's going to be trans people who aren't able to access that or who are denied even though they might really need those services because someone else decided oh you're not trans the way you're supposed to be and like that's not really a good thing gotcha um i, I also wanted to add it like from what i've heard from my friends who, who have gone through surgeries is that's very expensive it's a very very expensive like process 
Um, cause I see a lot of like my trans friends just put up like GoFundMe pages, mm-hmm. um, cause it's not cheap. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that these healthcare, um, healthcare helps with, with that, uh, with making that more cheaper or, or even just helping out you like trans people like go through these surgeries. Yeah. Well, and if someone's lucky enough to have insurance that covers it, it can be totally affordable and fine, but then. Um, for a lot of people, that isn't the scenario, mm. um, you know, and if you're rich enough to afford it, then it's not an issue. But if you're low income or your insurance doesn't cover it, now you're in this issue where like a surgery could really be just life saving and really important. Um, and then you can't access that. And it can also be, I mean, a thing of safety in some senses. If you're trans, if you're trans, it's really important for a lot of trans people to be out as trans and to be able to live their authentic lives. Um, because otherwise it's really, really hard. And that's where you lead to, you can see cases of like depression and suicide in trans people because they're, when they're not able to live as their true selves, when anyone's not able to live as their true self, it's really isolating and it's just really challenging to live with. So Mm -hmm. for a lot of trans people living out as their true selves is really important. And medical transition can be an important aspect of that because it's also, if you're trans, um, but you haven't medically transitioned and you don't pass very well, like that can be an issue of your safety in some cases because not every place is super accepting of trans people. Wow. Um, and if you're struggling with a lot of like body dysphoria, you know, a surgery can really make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everyone wants to medically transition or needs medically transition. And it's also, you know, people kind of think of it sometimes as like, oh, there's one surgery and everyone gets it. And it's like the, the route really looks different for a lot of different people. There's hormones, there's different kinds of surgery, top surgery, bottom surgery, um, some people get one or the other or a combination of a few things. Um, so, you know, uh, medical transition isn't like you come out as trans and then you do X, Y, Z and now you're a man or you're a woman or you're non-binary. It's, you know, it looks different for everyone and everyone kind of picks and chooses the things that are important to them and the things that are going to make them most affirmed. So, Awesome. Okay, thank you. Um, transitioning a little bit, it's kind of related to it. Can you talk about your experience as a trans male athlete? Because I know you do water polo. I'm not sure if you do any other sports. Yeah, so water polo, and I'm also on a swim team. Um, and I actually, I, so I play water polo on the girls team, mm. um, and I'm going to. This is my last season. And part of that decision, I made the decision for a few reasons. Um, one, because of the nature of, like, aquatic sports, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to wear a swimsuit. And so like, it's a lot more challenging if I was wearing like a basketball jersey or a soccer uniform, it's easier because it's like a shirt and shorts. Sure, yeah. mm-hmm. But being in a swimsuit and then playing on a guy's team, it would be very obvious that I'm trans and that's just complicated. Um, and I was very close to a lot of people on my team and I wanted to finish out, you know, the my last season with, you know, my team um, since I've been playing on the team for many years now. But that being said, like that has been manageable for me because, you know, Everyone on my team has used my chosen name. Everyone has respected my pronouns. And, like, because I have an environment where everyone's really supportive of me, it makes it possible because even when I go to practice and I am on a girls' team, everyone's like, you're still a guy, and they recognize my gender. And so Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a comfortable environment for me. If I was on a team where um, that wasn't the case, I think it would be a lot harder and more challenging. Um, But, yeah, that being said, there's also a lot of, you know, obstacles in the way to being a trans person and playing sports as your own gender. Um... Especially for trans women, uh, that's the challenge where a lot of people go, oh, you know, biological male, and there's a lot of regulations and restrictions, and people say trans, you know, trans women shouldn't be able to play sports. And it's a complicated issue, but um, I think there's a few key points. A, in that at the youth level, you know, my question is, does it really matter if a trans girl who's 12 wants to go play on her local soccer team, you know, with the other girls, (laughs) is it going to make a big difference if she's there? Yeah. Right? Um, And I think it's just really important to, like, let kids do the things that are going to make them happy. And, like, trans people deserve to be able to play sports, too. Sports is a great extracurricular environment. You can learn a lot of things from athletics. And, like, mm-hmm. everyone should be able to have that opportunity and, like, be safe and affirmed while doing it. Um, but then also at the, you know, more professional level, there's this idea that, oh, trans women are going to dominate sports or men are going to dress up as women and try to, you know, compete. And, like, to that I say a few things. Um, a, there's a bunch of restrictions around, I mean, the, like the, um, I think like the Olympics, like committee at like the Olympic level, which is like basically one of the highest levels, like they've passed a lot of laws and restrictions around, like, if you are a trans person competing in sports, specifically a trans woman, like how long you have to have been on hormones and all of that. And your hormones have to be at a certain level. So like, it's, it's not like there's people who are just like, you know, um, who have just recently transitioned or haven't medically transitioned playing sports, like people have, to, trans women have to go through a lot. Um, 
and they have like the same not the like same range hormone levels as cis women on all of that um secondly like trans women have never dominated professional sports at any level like even when there are trans women in sports there's not like trans women getting a million gazillion gold medals and like beating everyone Mm -hmm. um you know they're just playing like every other female athlete right um and you know there's this idea oh they're like biological men they have an advantage and it's like biological diversity exists in athletics already you look at michael phelps and he has like all these like biological advantages in the way his body produces lactic acid that like gives him an advantage and he does really well and he gets all these gold medals and everyone goes oh my god what an incredible dude but a trans woman shows up or a cis woman who has higher levels of testosterone and everyone's like oh this is unfair Mm -hmm. um so there's a lot of issues surrounding that but um it's it can be frustrating i think um as a trans person in sports just because like when i see a lot of the things happening at the higher levels and trans people being restricted it's sad to me um because i think it's just it's trans people belong in all parts of society and they belong in athletics um Mm. and so it's frustrating that they're being regulated especially when trans trans people are not posing a threat to athletics they're threatening athletics they're threatening women's sports and like that's not really the case it's regulation that's hurting and like when people regulate hormone levels that hurts cis women who might have higher levels of testosterone like that can prevent them from playing in athletics and it's usually like women of color too so it's like these regulations they're not protecting women they're hurting them mm-hmm. and trans women are women and they deserve to play sports and be you know protected and involved just as much as anyone else oh, yeah yeah um so y- you went to the California boys state program correct yes can you speak a little bit about what that is and your experience in that program yeah, so I actually just participated um, a few weeks ago, and California Boys State is a program that's put on by the American Legion, and Boys State is actually run all across the country. They have Boys State in every state except Hawaii, I think, mm-hmm. um, but the idea is you take, they take rising um, rising seniors, so people after their junior year in the summer, um, teenage guys from all across, well, all across the state, um, and put them together for a week, and it's like a mock government program, so you're learning about government, um, huh. you form it's based off the state of California's government. You have cities, counties, uh, and then the whole state. And you run for city office, county office, state offices. There's elections. Yeah. People hold offices, pass laws. There's courts. Wow, um, that's a so whole cool. Program. Yeah, it was very interesting to be able to participate in and a very exciting opportunity. Um, but I was the first openly trans guy to participate. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, look at that. In the whole, yeah. in the whole country? Um, there have been in other states, but in the state of California. California? Oh. Yeah. oh, wow. How was the that. process with that? So um, I was, you get nominated by like your school and then your local American Legion post chooses a few people to send. So I was like nominated by my history teacher Mm -hmm. and my Legion post sent me. Um, And I was very lucky in the sense like the California Boys State and the American Legion here um, is very open about like wanting to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, And they knew that I was trans when I applied and, you know, they accepted me and had me come and um, all of that. And they were, you know they made it clear that they wanted me to have the same experience that anyone else was going to be having. But there are, I know that in other like boy state programs in different states, like there are some states where trans people are like prohibited or excluded specifically in the laws mm-hmm. um, or the, the rules of their boy state. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here I was lucky that like, not only did they have me come, but they also had like a clear anti-bullying policy, um, you know, and from the leadership, at least in the program, it was very clear that like I was welcomed and accepted. Um, and it was a, it was also like being there. I was wor- I was nervous because I I've never been to like an all boys program, and I was like I know I was gonna be there with a bunch of cis teenage boys, and I didn't know how it would be if people would accept me or if they would be like oh you're not really one of us. But going, it was a really positive experience. Um, and even though there were a few instances where there was some transphobia, generally everyone was really accepting, and people made me feel like much more accepted and welcomed than I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really positive experience getting to go. And I think be around a bunch of guys and kind of get the message like yeah of course you're one of us you're just here like the rest of us are was very affirming to me because i haven't had that experience in a lot of like all guy spaces before yeah could could you talk actually a little bit more about um like being in like let's say because going back to uh talking about like your your experiences in water polo right now um do you do you use the same locker room as the girls like, do you, do you change there with them or like, how, how is that set up? 
I usually try to use, we have a single stall guys bathroom um, on campus, so I will usually use that one mm-hmm. when possible. But we also, um, at at San Rafael specifically, we had one gender, like all gender bathroom this oh, year. Okay. Um, and I've been working with a team there and with our superintendent and administration to implement more. Because mm-hmm. usually that's the bathroom that I choose to go to because... I don't want to go into the women's bathroom, A, because I'm not a girl and like right. it's not very affirming to my own gender. And also because it's kind of uncomfortable and I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Exactly. You know, I'm out as a guy at school. Yeah. That being said, sometimes I don't really want to use the guy's bathroom either because it can be a little intimidating. Um, and I'm, you know, worried about being harassed or just not having a good experience there. And so it's easiest to just use a single stall all gender bathroom. But we only had one this year. It was really far away from all of my classes, consistently mm-hmm. locked, and it became a problem. And it was a problem for, you know, the other trans and non-binary students on campus. So we, we've we been working for a while, and, you know, talking mm-hmm. to the school board, talking to people, asking, saying this is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, finally, we got together with a committee and we put a plan in place. And we're going to have 10 bathrooms, all gender bathrooms wow. next year at school which will be really great because now there will be more like the gym area next to the pool that i can use and that all students can use yeah um because like not only do you know trans people need all gender bathrooms but like sometimes it's just nice to have a single stall door if you need to go if you change and like trying to change in a stall bathroom multi-stall bathroom can be hard the stall small yada 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 um or just sometimes there's different reasons that people might want to use a single stall bathroom rather than be in a big bathroom with a lot of other people. Um, so we're I'm really excited about that. And I know that it's a initiative that's been a long time coming, but it's going to be a really great change on campus. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy to hear that SR is actually taking into account like that, you know, this is an issue and that they're going to build more because uh, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking because I played football my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, SR, so I'm very familiar with that pool mm-hmm. and locker area. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of trying to think, like, yeah, like how how does that work? Um, for mm-hmm. for you, right? Um, because you said the the only bathroom there is where it's like it's in the hallway, right? I think I've seen it before. Yeah. Well, the only all gender bathroom we had this year was in the new Commons building. They just built it. It's like the oh, all room. the way over there. Yeah. So if oh. you're anywhere else on campus, it's just so inconvenient. Uh, yeah. I in the locker room, isn't there like that one hallway that leads to the locker room? There's an all gender one right there. Yeah. At, but yeah. those are normally locked. I'm pretty sure. And they're going to be hopefully making sure that things are unlocked. That was part of the things we talked about because, like, you have the bathrooms, you have to keep them unlocked. Right. And there's, a, there's like, two. There's, like, one that's a girl's single stall and a guy's single stall. So those are going to be made all gender because there's no reason to have a single stall bathroom yeah. that's gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, For real. Yeah. Yeah, things like that. But, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, I don't know if this would be touchy. You don't have to answer it, but... With school, do are there people who like have bullied you because you came out as trans, or is everyone like normal to it? I don't know. It's your choice if you want to answer that. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I haven't been bullied specifically, or at least like not to my face. Um, I think, and we live in a more generally more liberal area, so I think that contributes to it. And I think actually, youth today are a lot more educated. Um, oh, I would yeah. say that like young people generally tend to be more aware and just like have less of a problem understanding my transness sometimes it's harder with older people because they just are like they don't get it or they haven't been exposed Mm -hmm. to it and they've also been living a lot longer like being subjected to like societal norms and stereotypes and so it's just like a lot harder for them to conceptualize like what does that even mean like you know whereas young people are like oh yeah cool even if they've been like because we just you know if you haven't spent 50 years of your life living and thinking oh there's a man is a man a woman is a woman and Mm -hmm. like you know then it's pretty easy to just be like oh yeah that makes sense um that being said i i would say there's some you know microaggressions and people aren't always intentional um about it but people do things that are just frustrating i get misgendered um and that happens a lot like in the classroom and even with teachers too sometimes and it's not intentional i know but it's because like a lot of the people i've been going to school with most i've been going to school with since middle school some since i was five years old so Mm -hmm. it's um it can be hard for people when they're used to knowing you one way So, like, and I get it. Like, I don't expect people to be perfect all the time. Um, But it can be challenging because I think it's even harder sometimes with teachers when a teacher misgenders you um, a lot repeatedly because it's like, okay, you know, I know that you know that I'm a guy and I know that you're trying and working on it and I know Mm -hmm. that it's hard. But that being said, like, I'm still in an environment where this is now happening all the time and it's hard to know, like, you know, I don't want to, like, make you feel bad 
but also, you know, this makes me feel bad every time it happens. And so it's hard, like, when it's a situation like that, because it's like, I know that people don't mean harm, and yet, like, now I'm in this p- position where it's like, do I correct you? Or, like, I know that you already know, but, like, mm-hmm. it's happening, and it's it's challenging because I have to be the one to kind of educate people um, rather than people, you know, educating themselves or, like, the school training teachers, training students, you know, taking the time to talk about that issue. Like, it gets put on me. And people, like, usually have a lot of questions, too. Um, and <laughs> people will, you know, um, ask a question and then go, oh, sorry, was that, like, you know, invasive or something? And it's like, or, like, can I ask that? And it's like, you could ask that before you ask the yeah. you know, like, personal questions about, you know, me and stuff. But it's, again, like, things that aren't necessarily, like, super terrible, but um, small things that kind of build up and yeah. make it challenging. I think the hardest thing is just not always feeling seen as a guy um and it's interesting i went to boys state and like being there in a space that was all guys almost felt more affirming than like spaces where there's girls and guys because it was just like oh like everyone here's a dude you're here you're a dude (laughs) you know like i didn't feel so different whereas like sometimes when i'm in a space with girls and guys um it can be hard because i don't feel I, i i know i'm not a girl and i don't fit in with them but i don't feel quite like i fit in with the guys and it can be easier to feel more in between um and it's challenging. I have a lot of a lot of my friends are girls. Um, so it's challenging sometimes because sometimes I'm with a lot of my friends and like a lot of the people there are girls. And it's like, oh, the girls and Teo, you know, and it's like I can relate to lots of experiences that they have. Yeah. Can, you know, I grew up with a lot of these people. Um, but so it's hard. It's hard because it's like it's easy for me to fall into like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm just one of you. But I'd like I also want to be seen as like I am a guy. You know, I want you to treat me the way that you treat your other guy friends. Right. Um. You know, like, I want to be recognized. So it's, and again, it's like, it's not like people intentionally do it. It's just like a, a challenging thing. And I don't know that I have the answer. It's a hard thing sometimes. Um, but yeah. Wow. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think it's, I think a lot of uh, people part of the LGBTQ plus community, especially when, when they identify as a different gender, um, go through those issues as well. I hear it all the time. Like, oh, I get misgendered all the time. Like, mm-hmm. if I get misgendered one more time, I'm going to snap. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I, I, I get it. Um, and I also understand that a lot of people are just, it's new to them. Because they're also, that's the big thing also, is, is getting educated, you know, and understanding it. And, and there's a lot of people that genuinely haven't been educated. And they, yeah, there's... that's why I asked that. Because I knew someone mm-hmm. who, she she's in a phase where she's not really like she's not sorry she they is it not sure where they're at and Mm -hmm. then i knew people who were bullying them and that's why i asked that if you had like a similar experience because i know for them it was like pretty hard and they stopped coming to school and all that stuff so that's why i wanted to ask that because i know a lot of people go through that type of stuff yeah, I, I think I've been lucky, too, that, like, a lot of my friends, I mean, already were queer, and I was friends with trans people before, but a lot of my friends are all very, you know, I think already aware of a lot of the issues, and so they've been very accepting. Um, but it's definitely, like, it's out there. Um, and so I haven't had, at school, I haven't had direct experiences. I have had some, like, experiences with transphobia before, and people have said some things. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a challenge. And it's a challenge because it's, like, you know, even I like mess up my own pronouns sometimes, but I think the hardest thing is because especially the longer that I've been out now, like I really am at a point where I'm very comfortable in how I view myself. I feel very, like I do feel a lot like a guy and like more and more I look in the mirror and I'm like, this is a guy, like Mm -hmm. I'm a guy. And so like, I'm very sure of that. But then when like someone says, you know, calls me she or her, it's a challenge because it's like now that what's, what's at odds is not necessarily that like, it's it's how I see myself and how the world sees me. So, like, I know who I am. I know who I am and I'm, you know, secure in my identity and confident in myself. And, like, um, I have dysphoria sometimes, but I'm pretty happy with the way that I look. Mm-hmm. That's not an issue. But then when people look at me and they don't see me the way I see myself, like, that's hard. Because I know that, like, you know, when someone calls me she, like, even if it's not intentional, subconsciously, they're not seeing me the way I'd like to be seen. Right. And so it's, like, it's not an individual person's fault, but it's just, like, then you have to sit with that and you're like, oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. Um, but I, I agree with everything that you've been saying and just acknowledging that I feel like in the future, um, as this new generation or just as this old generation kind of dies off and has all of these like really, really outdated views on, on the gay community, um, 
we're, we're this this conversation will be a lot more like just normal, you know, like it'll be a lot more like like present in school rooms. People will just get more educated on this. Um, and thank you again, Mateo, for being on the show with us today. Um, you're amazing. Thank you for sharing and for being so open with us. Um, and I hope that this inspires other youth who are also having identity issues or, or just struggling with with getting through their um, day-to-day life as, as, as wanting to identify some, as a different gender, um, that this helps them get to that um, position in their life. Um, but that's all. That's all we got for today. Uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, and we'll catch you all in the next episode next week. Thank you all. Bye. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye.